Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's psalm is number 98. A psalm. Oh, sing to Yahweh a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Yahweh has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to Yahweh all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to Yahweh with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, Yahweh. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing together for joy before Yahweh, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the word of the Lord. Very similar to recent psalms, sing to Yahweh a new song. A good chance to talk to your children about what songs they enjoy singing to praise God. There are many, right? Hymns have been written for centuries. New music continues to be written today. I mean, I remember when I was a seminary student, there was a a contest at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis for a scholarship each year that if you wrote a hymn, you could submit the hymn and the hymns would be looked at and there was a committee that would pick a winning winning hymn and that, that student, future pastor, would receive, I don't know, thousand dollar scholarship or whatever it was. I really wish I could track those down and and see all the different hymns that our brothers have written in recent years. Anyway, sing to Yahweh a new song. What do you like to sing? Learn your children's favorite hymns and help to supplement, right? Add to the hymnal that is in their mind. As we store these these songs of praise to the Lord, we store them in our hearts and in our minds. Build on that. Imagine having a child who knows ten hymns by heart. And so as they're, they're working, they can sing. As they're playing, they can sing. Imagine yourself being locked in a prison like Paul for your faith at some point. What would you have to draw upon? The memory is a useful tool, and the Christian would do well to utilize it again, even in this technological age where we take everything for granted and we memorize nothing other than how to use the technology. It may not always be there. Sing to Yahweh a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Another great family conversation. Like what? What marvelous things has he done? This psalm seems to be focusing on some of Israel's history. The exodus, the establishment of the throne in Jerusalem where David reigns. But, 
And we will take those things all the way to the cross of Christ and to the good news of salvation that we have in Jesus. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. It's the picture of fighting again. The idea that you would have your sword sheathed and then stored on your, I believe it's the left hip, and you would draw with your right hand, right? You'd reach to draw your sword, and then you could strike. So his hand, his holy arm, are a picture of God fighting for his people, and he has worked salvation for him. God has done it. On behalf of his people, God has saved them. God has driven out the enemies in the promised land. The Canaanites, the Hivites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Girgashites, Amorites. He has done it. He has restored his people. He has won salvation for them. And we would, again, take this forward to Jesus Christ dying on the cross to forgive our sins and to rescue us from sin, death, and the devil. And he has. And so as we think then of his holy arm, we think not of him drawing a sword, but of his, his arms holy, stretched out, pierced through with the nails on the cross. Yahweh has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. This again could easily refer to the Exodus thinking of God saving them and all the nations coming to know and also fear Yahweh because of the might and the plagues that they have heard of, just as Rahab in Joshua chapter 2 will tell the two spies that come to her that she has, all of the people have, heard of Yahweh and their hearts have melted in their fear of the Israelites because of him. Maybe you push it forward to King David that his righteousness is seen in the sight of the nations, that the Lord is made known to everyone because of David's greatness as a king, or even Solomon's great wisdom. But again, as Christians, we know we can take this forward again to Jesus Christ. This would be Romans chapter 3, uh, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't get any more clear than verse 28. We hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. God saved us. God made his salvation known in Jesus Christ, by his death, by his resurrection. He has now revealed that to us. He's made it known to us. In verse 3, he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness. So his promises, his covenant, and he's going to keep it. He's going to keep his word and carry through what he has said he would do to the house of Israel. So what God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what God had promised even to the Israelites as Moses came to set them free from Egypt. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Again, the picture of Egypt, the Exodus, and how all those enemy neighboring nations also learned of God's power and how he rescued his people. 
the first few plagues, they just impacted everything. Plagues 4 and onward didn't hit Israel. They didn't, I should correct that, we think of Israel geographically. Israel was a people, they were living in the land of Goshen as a part of Egypt. Goshen was skipped over. Egypt suffered, but God spared his people. Egypt's false gods could not save them, but Yahweh could save his people. And all the ends of the earth came to know that. Or at least see it, as many of them would still reject that good news. But again, we take it to the cross. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. The good news of Christ and him crucified, the good news of forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of the body have been proclaimed in every nation under heaven, declares the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6 is God speaks of the servant he would send, his own son. He declares that it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And it has. Thanks be to God, it has. Praise the Lord. Praise Christ. And so is our next line. Make a joyful noise to Yahweh all the earth. Back to verse 1, singing a new song to Yahweh, for he has done marvelous things. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing. We have the command of Scripture to sing, and to sing often, and to rejoice in our God, to celebrate his goodness. There's power in music. There is strength in music. It encourages us, it builds us up, and then we can thus use it to encourage and build one another up. I know that as I gather for Winkles, so pastors' conferences with brothers in the local circuit, and this has been true in Minnesota as well as in Missouri, when when we do something like that and we sing a hymn together in the church, or if I go to a conference somewhere else and you've got a bunch of pastors and they sing together, pastors don't tend to be timid when they sing. They tend to just belt it out, even if they have terrible voices But guess what? God loves that. (laughs) The Lord wants to hear our voices. Anyway, I often hear compliments from whether it's the organist or just a member of the church who is helping and volunteering and serving in some capacity, and they overhear of just how encouraging it is to hear all of those men joining together in song and praising God that it it impacts them, right? This is what we do as brothers and sisters in Christ. We encourage one another in word and in song. Colossians chapter 3 comes to mind. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing hymns and songs and psalms and spiritual songs to God. So we do. Lots of musical instruments noted here, the lyre, trumpet, horn, melody, and then just simply joyful noise. It's nice that the joyful noise is joinable, right, that we can make that joyful noise together. 
there's something to that, again, as we strengthen and encourage one another, but just make a joyful noise. Seven, well, seven through nine take this a little bit of a different direction. So we have verse four that said, make a joyful noise to Yahweh all the earth. And I've shared in other Psalms that oftentimes this language is probably language we want to take literally, that God is calling his creation to worship him. And that's what seven and eight will do, I believe. But verse four, I would take that all the earth as a reference to people of all nations, tribes, languages, wherever you are. All of creation, all of God's people throughout the earth will worship him. But now the sea roaring and all that fills it, that includes the dead, as that's a common picture of the sea, storm-tossed, right, the darkness, the depths. The sea becomes a scriptural picture and symbol of death in the mind of many, which is why paradise will be described in the book of Revelation as having no sea, and it gives up its dead. So here, let the sea roar and all that fills it the world and those who dwell in it. So you've got a both and all of creation, creation itself, and the created creatures praising God. The rivers clap their hands. The hills sing for joy together. Rivers don't have hands, last I checked. Hills can't sing, last I checked. But again, God calls upon his creation to worship him. And then verse 9, singing together for joy before Yahweh, for he comes to judge the earth. And for the Christian, this is good. It is good news that Christ is coming again. It is good news that Jesus Christ, on his return, will put an end to death and sin and suffering and sorrow and hunger and thirst tears. He will take it all away. This is good news for the Christian, for the believer, for the one who has rejected Jesus and remains in that unbelief. That last day is not a day of rejoicing, but a day of darkness. So the Christian rejoices with verse 9 because we recognize his goodness. We recognize his salvation. We live in it. But for Pharaoh and his army, God's salvation was not a good thing. It was their end. It was the judgment upon them. So verse 9 wraps, He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. With equity. He will judge the peoples alike. If not for Christ, this would be really bad. Not one of us could stand before the Lord. But in Christ we can. He has rescued and redeemed us, and it is by his righteousness that we are saved. Because he takes his righteousness, his perfection, and he makes it ours. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ by his death and by his resurrection. Through the gift of faith, We are made children of the kingdom. Amen.